0: in the area. Don't to that while it's healing. I had that. That's why I know about that. that Sounds complicated. Painful. That's a very painful recovery. Well, because you just hurt for a month or more. So, so she's in the hospital and her surgery, even though it was painful and uncomfortable and I think it was successful. They said it was successful. They and then, um, So uh, regarding Desiree, you know, so she's got that going on. got the, the um, call about surgery. She's also going to have not considered about the other tests. So she had an MRI uh, uh, the other day, and so they want to do a biopsy and see if she follow up on potential for breast cancer. Oh, no. So, in that, and so those two things, and then she's got a wedding coming up herself, coming up here pretty quick. Yeah. So a little lot of things on, on the Vandenkirk family right now, so be in prayer for all of them. And um, I just want to mention, I I haven't mentioned this, but I'm I'm sure most of you are aware that Joe Schaefer has been uh, ill and has been in the hospital, had COVID, had, um, I think he also had uh, the flu, but he emailed, he probably got this email, but in case you didn't, uh, he's now at a long-term care place called Promise in Overland Park. He's shown great improvement. Uh, but it's still a slow improvement, but it's better. Um, they, he's, they're, they're changing his oxygen. He's not on a ventilator right now. Um, and, uh, so they're, they're doing a lot of things with him. Just keep him and his family in prayer with everything going on there. And then, uh, I had another email from somebody, oh, Gwayne Arnie, you gotta get the email on Wayne. so. As far as I know, basically everything that is in that email is all I know about Coyne right now. But he is having a back pain, he's having some back pain, his head still hurts, um, nausea, he's all had all kinds of uh, complications from the, if I remember it was dual, dual chemo, right? Two, 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 two different five, kinds five. of chemo, so that's caused all kinds of complications and they're trying to treat the complications, so they're taking him off of the chemo completely, he's in the um, You know, they're waiting until, uh, well, they're they're, they're monitoring his progress, his blood pressure and different things, and then they're going to have a meeting with the doctor tomorrow and try to formulate a new game plan for that, for whatever you're doing there, or whatever they're going to be doing for him, I should say. And and his his side effects, other than the back pain, and head, the pain, has gotten better, the nausea, has gotten better. The sores in his mouth, all that. Things have gotten better, but he still has a long way to go. And uh, you know, they're still trying to investigate what the issue is. They don't know what his back pain is from. They don't know uh, what they'll have to do further uh, to change the chemotherapy treatment or what are they gonna do? So just, there's a lot going on there. So be in prayer for him as well. Um, just a couple other things that's on your handout. The Life Issues Recovery Walk is coming up uh, in September, I think on the 3rd. Uh, and a Bible conference is coming up on the 19th of September, so that's really right around the corner here, so please plan on being here. You need to <coughs> encourage people and yourself to sign up on the website, mainly, it's not cost anything or anything, we're just trying to get a head count like we did last year, that worked out really good to get a head count of who's going to eat what meals. You just, you just check, yeah, I'm going to be here for each of the evening meals and lunch meal, or whatever, and um, that, that just gives us a head count so we know, so that... The people in the kitchen can plan for that. Uh, so that's coming up on the uh, uh, the 19th to the 22nd. We'll probably do about 6,000, I think, whole Bibles, Spanish and English. Um, that's what our goal is. Um, and maybe the number may fluctuate up or down from that. I'm not exactly sure. We're still trying to get a shipment in. Um, you know, last year we did the Chichewa New Testaments. We did 25,000 of them. Uh, so we're going to have an opportunity, not during the Bible conference, but shortly after that, we're going to do 2,500 more. Not 25,000 again, but 2,500. Uh, so we'll be doing those. Um, if you're Dan Jallowick, Jan and um, Jan Jallowick are one of our supportive missionaries, and uh, they are going to, they're the ones where this 2,500 going to them. And uh, so that's going to be a, a blessing for them to have. Um, and uh, so... Uh, Labor Day weekend, I always like to do this. I don't, I don't do it, but it just always seems like it always falls under. But we have, to, we're, we're responsible for cleaning the church this that weekend. So, like I would recommend, we do Friday, um, you know, earlier or later or whatever. But um, if we can get that done on Friday, whatever the Friday is, I think it's the third. That's the third. Okay, so we'll try to knock that out uh, for us to clean. It's our turn again. Um, next Sunday, the 29th, uh, we will not have class in here. Uh, we'll be in the auditorium in the sanctuary for uh, both services. And it's the fifth Sunday, and so we'll be having Lord's Supper during the main service, at the conclusion of the main service. Um, and then uh, at 9 o'clock, uh, we're going to have several people kind of giving missions type of updates, so I'll, I'll be speaking for a short time and then... Um, I'm not sure who else is speaking but I think I don't remember I don't know. So, what is that That's from just now yeah. he's continuing to improve God got him back on his ibuprofen Tylenol uh, to help with the pain 8 hour combination his back is some better blood pressure is stabilizing around 116 over 70 that's, wow. really good. that's really good., it's really yeah. good considering good. where it was at Which was that? <laughs> He's lost some, a little bit of weight. Um, so working on eating and trying to get you know trying to keep his nutrition up because uh, they don't need him to lose weight right now. Um, and so just pray for him to be able to eat and hold down the food. Yeah. That, that's a big deal. And, yes. um, and so just continue to pray for the options that they're going to come up with on the chemo. So that they can treat the cancer, the, can't, the chemo was effective, but it was the side effects were too much. So they got to find another combination that doesn't provide a lot of side effects, but it does provide a lot of relief. There's a message from Desiree. So back up. She says, "I'm feeling better. This is Desiree. I'm feeling better right now. They gave me every kind of pain meds last night." Even the max amount of morphine didn't even touch the pain. I understand that. They tried giving me morphine when I was at, right after I had my surgery or just before. I don't know, but I didn't like it. So, anyway, um, so she's, she's, they've been trying to give her all kinds of pains, but now she's doing better right at this moment. She's hoping that she can go home um, from the hospital, but they don't know yet. So, a lot to pray for, a lot of things going on in people's lives. Have Bud back here with his heart, and we keep praying for Bud, pray for Bob and Sharon Balkan. Keep them in mind. Um, Randy, <clears throat> my friend Penny, uh, her fiance Richard, <clears throat> which was in the hospital from Father's Day. He passed away Tuesday with COVID. Oh, wow. He had been on a ventilator since Father's Day. So we need to pray for Rico and Penny. That's a long time. Yes and um, they had the funeral yesterday and it was very hard on them. So he, they've already done all of that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was cremated and they had the service yesterday, but Penny said to ask for them, for, for everybody to please pray for Rico. We keep He's them in mind. Keep, hard hard. In, you know, in mind, keep everybody's family that's in uh, mind that's- It's her son's, he, the cast. No, uh, her fiance. Was her. Mm-hmm. Rico's dad. Her and Rico had a child years and years ago, and then they kind of started doing family things, and they got back together, and they're both saved, and we just got COVID, and that was it. Uh, I almost missed this, too, since we're talking about prayers. Prayer needs. Ryan also included a prayer for Gail Newland as she reaches the end of her race, so I'm not exactly sure what's going on with her, but I know she's not, she's approaching. Uh, yeah. Huh? Gail Newland. And then also he asked for prayer for Catherine Weakland, who was bereaved at the passing of her sister to COVID. Um, David Brandon was also expecting his stepbrother to pass soon. Um, so, And then he just mentioned, pray for the situation with Afghanistan and all the people that are uh, in, involved in that mess. So let's turn over to Psalms chapter 121, verses 1 to 8. We're going to read that, we'll pray, and then we'll get into the study. So is it 120, verse 1? Yes, it is. Psalm 120, is that a colon? 1? Let's say 121. Okay, (laughs) you got me confused. Okay, Psalm 121. There's there's eight verses, so this is is kind of a quick one here. Um, It says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is, my, is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon the right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy, thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forward and, and even forevermore. It's a good psalm. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to pray. Thank you for this reminder in this passage lord that you have um, provided such a great help to us you take care of us you protect us you keep us from suffering um, lord you you do all of these things because you've given us eternal life and lord and while we sometimes and many of us have have ailments and uh, diseases and certain things that uh, do not make things comfortable right now uh, lord that uh, we do know that we all have a glorified body uh, to look forward to and we'll never have to suffer in pain again with cancers and uh, COVID's and different things like that Lord we ask Father for your hand to be upon our life help us to be a testimony of your grace and mercy Lord as we read this passage Lord we help, We ask that you help us to remind people that you will preserve us from all evil you will keep you, that you shall preserve our soul in heaven with you and we ask for your blessing on on all of the peoples that we've talked about already the Arnie's the Balkans uh, Bud, um, Desiree Vandekirk, the Schaffers, uh, and so many other cares, uh, Catherine Wheatland and uh, others that uh, are on that list, Lord. And uh, we just ask for your blessing to be upon them. Help us to be the person that you want us to be. Help us to be a witness, a, a, uh, a servant, and, a, uh, and, a, and an example of Christ uh, the Savior. And we just praise you and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Father, verse 2 says, My help cometh from the Lord, which hath made heaven and earth. God, you've made the heavens and you've made the earth, and we just know that you're with uh, Penny and Rico, and we know that you will give them... us to understand that you do preserve our soul that into eternity and to heaven and our going out and our coming in. When um, we're tempted to see all that's going on in the world and rely on other things that will help us to realize. Father, as we conclude in prayer, we're thankful that we can come before the living God uh, and uh, just lay our our needs and our wants and our desires at your feet. Lord, we know that you hear us, we know that you see us, and we're thankful for that, Lord, and we know so so, Lord, that you keep us. We pray, Father, for uh, today, Lord, as we prepare to look at this next lesson, Lord, that you would uh, open up our minds and our hearts and uh, that you would uh, communicate uh, everything you once said. Lord, um, just because I have notes doesn't mean this is what needs to be said. But I pray, Father, that you would speak through me with your Spirit uh, according to your will. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Okay, so let's uh, go over to Second Corinthians. We're still in the book there. You know, we're talking about uh, being transparent as a Christian, and we're looking at. Ch- we're just going to look at the first six verses of chapter one, uh, chapter four, because um, there's just a lot there. And we probably won't even be able to exhaust everything that that we probably could have said about this passage, uh, and that's not even the whole chapter. And that's kind of how things have been going with this. You know, Paul has, um, as I told you before, it's kind of a complicated little letter, and he goes, his thoughts, they 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 kind of weave in and out of the whole chapter, the whole book, from one chapter to the next, uh, and he refers to things. Um, or he connects things within statements from things that he's already talked about in the last few chapters. Uh, And he's also referencing things that he will dig into further as we go forward. He'll dig into those things a little bit deeper, but he makes reference to them even as we go through right now. If we can get to the page, I'm looking for Here we go. And so we're just going to read verses 1 to 6 right now. That's as far as we're going to go. Paul writes, uh, Therefore, gospel of Christ who is the image of God shall shine unto them for we preach not ourselves but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus sake for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ okay so this is an interesting passage and you know uh, there's a lot here in fact, there's a lot of verses that I would think are, you know, like kind of memory verses that people are very familiar Verses like verse 6 is a very familiar verse to most people. We just we just kind of know them, but but what is Paul trying to even the verse I think it's verse uh, 2 or 3 uh yeah, verse 3, but the gospel if, if our gospel is hid, it's in their lost. I mean, we we use that verse a lot. But what is Paul actually saying there? That's what we want to get into is what is he why is he saying the things that he says? And so it's, some, it's sometimes said that any of Paul's letters, almost all of Paul's letters, were both teaching letters and correction letters. He's teaching and he's correcting. And that's a, that, I would say that that's, in most letters, um, that's true. It's brief but true description, except for Second Corinthians. Because um, Paul is put in a position not to have to teach and to correct. He, what he's having to do is justify and correct the challenge that he's facing with this letter is hey paul we've we've had these people come along and tell us that you're not the man what we thought you are and that's that's the that's the gist these people that I refer to them as uh, false false teachers or judaizers those kind of people they're they're the ones that have come in after paul left the the church at corinth after spending uh, 18 months investing in this church and training them and discipling them and teaching them developing leaders and all of this thing and he had to leave because God had moved him on to Ephesus if I remember right Uh, and he moved him on and then these people come in afterwards and say you know that guy Paul he was he was completely uh, off base he had no everything he said was wrong we and we'll talk more about all of this and we have said already a lot of things about it these Judaizers have been waging a constant battle of deceit and diversion to capture the hearts of the immature Christians uh there at the at the church in corinth um not only the immature christians but those those lost people that are still coming to the church trying to figure out what's going on and what this new uh this new teaching is remember when paul was in um in athens uh which not too far from corinth he was in athens and he was he went to preach at the uh area Areopagus, you know the stadium and uh they, they just said, hey, we want to hear what this guy says, this this new doctrine, this new teaching. They had never heard it before. So some of them were just at the church trying to figure out what's going on. That's kind of how you, maybe, maybe you, I don't know about all of you, but I know that I'm, I went to church. I didn't go to church as a kid. And so I, when I first started going to church, I'm like, I'm going to check these people out first. I'm going to listen to what they had to say. Uh, well, that was actually not the true statement when the first time I went to church, but it, eventually I started like, let me listen to what's going on. So it took a while, and that's, so I was one of those lost people in the church. So in any case, that's what's happening here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 2, Paul is accused, this is just an example. If you look over 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 2, this is an example of what, what, what Paul is facing. This is just one example. In Second Corinthians ten two, it says, "I beseech you that I may not be that I may not be bold when I am present with confidence, with that confidence wherein I think to be bold against some. I want to be bold. I want to. I just want to to stand up and just let let you have it. I think it to be bold against some who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. They're, so he's addressing that accusation that Paul is not spiritual. Paul is a fleshly man." Paul's desire is to be the king, be the be the boss, be in charge. He's all flesh, he's not spirit. That was one of those accusations. Then in, in the same chapter in verses 10, 10 to 12, Paul points out additional accusations. We won't read those verses, but the additional accusations claim that he was weak, his speech was contemptible. Can you imagine somebody saying that about Pastor Brian that his that his messages are contemptible? That would be that'd be you better back that up with some really strong truth there uh, so they, they, they accused him saying he was weak, his speech was contemptible to the point of him saying that, his, that this is they said, his written word um, was no different than what he says ultimately is what he's saying in verses 10 and 12 says, my written word and my spoken word they're the same they're the same thing. So don't go off thinking that I'm saying one thing and writing another or writing something and not backing it up with my, with my preaching because I am. He was careful to point out that it's never wise, remember that verse, never wise to compare yourself with others. Um, and, um, and so it's not a good idea to do that. And that's what the Judaizers are doing. They were comparing themselves to Paul and say, see, we're better. We don't need to do that. Let the Holy Spirit take, that, take care of that. We just do what we're supposed to do. Unfortunately, they were not, and that was part of their problem. He points out in chapter 11, verses 12 to 13, that the failure of the Judaizers is their habit to desire glory. That's their problem. That's what the, See, they accused Paul of desiring glory, but Paul has already been very clear just in the first three chapters that he is not seeking glory. He is seeking the truth preached, the truth taught. And there's a difference between that because they were looking for their own glory. So in chapter 11, verses 11-12, their, their problem was that they desired glory in themselves while they were actually false apostles, kind of like Satan. You remember Satan desired glory of himself? But what did he do? He deceived, he tricked, he, uh, he lied uh, his way into people's lives. So there's many negative behaviors that these Judaizers are constantly engaged in. and we don't need to document every one of them uh, today. I mean we'll see them over and over again as we pass through the next few chapters. and I mean, it, Paul has to constantly do this. So see, he's not just writing the letter of correction and teaching, he's writing a letter of justification and teaching. He's trying to prove to them, you don't know what you're talking about, just to examine my life let me show you a couple of things, and so he's given those, that's all this is, just him illustrating the truth that he's been preaching and teaching, and so there's a lot of negative things, we're not going to get into all of them, we don't need to document them all right now, but in addition to chapter 10, their sin was also noted in almost every chapter, the sin of the Judaizers is found in almost every chapter, that's why we don't have the time really to take to go through and and catalog all of them. It, it's not hard to find them. You can just start reading, and you'll find them. Oh, there, there's another ding against Paul, and he has to address that one now. So Paul gives extensive information about his own life and his ministry as an example to us, so we can invest our life in the ministry that God has given to us. The one thing that Paul is trying to do is like he's trying to say, okay, here's my, here's the truth of my ministry, and by that he's given us an example of what our ministry ought to look like. So he's given us a, that pattern. He gives extension, extensive information about his life and his ministry. So, as we begin in chapter, as we start in chapter, three or chapter four, he expands on what we were talking about last week—the reality of ministry and the intent of ministry. Um, in the last couple of weeks, we've come to recognize that God considers you, every one of us. He's considered all of us uh, sufficient to minister, and He's given us the ability. He's made us able ministers. Remember that we talked about that in chapter. Mm-hmm. chapter um, uh, chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 those two words he's made you sufficient and he's made you able so nobody can say uh, I'm not capable of doing that I'm sorry but God says you're capable of doing that not, may, maybe not that but something Okay, maybe uh, not everybody is uh, uh, destined to be a uh, missionary on, the, on another side of the, another part of the world not everybody's destined to do that. Some people are, but everybody's destined to do something. What? To teach the Bible to somebody, to preach the truth. And when I say preach the truth, not like Brian preaches it, but every time you utter the word, you're kind of preaching. And so now in chapter 4 and into chapter 5, because we'll see this all the way into chapter 5, Paul is going to guide us into an understanding of ministry. I actually think this is a pretty cool thing here, chapters 4 and chapter 5, because it, it paints us a picture of what ministry actually looks like, or what it should look like, what we should expect when we're ministering, what we should expect of ourselves, and what God is going to expect of you as well. And so uh, the focus of First Corinthians was doctrinal teaching to correct unbiblical behavior. But in Second Corinthians, that focuses on the believer, and it should be a testimonial comparison of Paul's ministry as he defends himself against false accusers. And what can you take out of that to learn how to be a better minister yourself? So this letter... Puts the believer on a path to serving God to the greatest ability. I always like to use that expression because I don't know where God's going to take you, but I do believe that God wants to take you to the greatest level that you can serve Him, whatever that looks like. For it's all different for somebody, for every person. Uh, I you know nobody is nobody is on the same path to the, to the whatever that ministry, whatever that level of serving can be. But we are on the path of serving to the best of our ability. And that's what God wants, and that's what Paul is directing us to. So um, most of the rest of this letter, Paul begins to teach on ministry and how the investing in ministry keeps us from fainting. And uh, it's easy for people to faint uh, and get weary, and um, the biggest cure for that is serve. That's the biggest cure. Why because of why you're trying to serve See, so if you don't see what the result, the end result of what your service should look like you don't realize what you're going to, what you're missing out on on yourself to be to be uh, encouraged in your own self so in verses one and two uh, we'll start with that I just call this received of God because he says therefore we we see, seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy we faint not but have not, re, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So there's a ton of stuff right there, and we could camp out on these two verses for a couple of weeks, uh, just expanding on those kind of things. But let me just say this. In verse 1, Paul says that we have this ministry. That's, what it, that's the implication. We have this ministry. Uh, the implication here is That we have a continued possession Um, now all ministries of God but your ministry is where you serve at so uh, you have that as a continued possession uh, of of what God has done because he's made you able, he's considered you uh, sufficient and so uh, this verse, verse 1 in particular is actually pointing back look at chapter 3 verse 6 real quick Remember what we talked about there. We've kind of gone over. See how it kind of, it's just kind of almost like a circle that just kind of continually expands. And so, in chapter three, verse six, he says, "Who also hath made us able ministers? What of the New Testament? Not of the children's ministry. Not of the mission field. Not uh, the praise ministry. The, the children. Uh, the uh, prisoners of hope. Not like that. But the ministers of the New Testament. Not of the letter." but of the Spirit, for the, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. And so what Paul is actually referring to in chapter 4 is what he says in chapter 3. Okay? And so, every believer has been called into ministry, which is simply administering the gospel truth. That's what ministry actually is. You know, the word minister is the same thing as the word administer, very similar. So as an administrator, you're ministering the gospel truth to people. You're, you're, disp- you're dispensing it to somebody and so uh, every believer has been called into ministry which is simply administering or dis- dispersing the gospel truth the word of God to others and he refers to a, something as a new, test- a new covenant back in chapter 3 also let's see where that's at well the word testament is the same thing as the word covenant so uh, this new covenant ministry is of mercy not of law and that was the, that's the contrast between these Pharisees uh, uh, and these Judaizers and Paul but they were trying to get people to go back to the law and Paul said I want to take you to the spirit so um, the new covenant is of mercy not law Israel was not think about this Israel was not saved in Egypt you ever think about maybe you never think I don't know just, how was Israel saved out of Egypt did they, did they have to obey the law first no, they didn't know the law yet. The law wasn't given to them until they got to Mount Sinai. They were saved by mercy and grace. That's, that's the cool thing about this. What Paul's trying to get you to, not you, but get the Judaizers to understand and for us to comprehend ourselves is that we don't need to go back to the Old Testament law because the Old Testament law wasn't a salvation thing. It was an obedience thing. It was to lead us to the point that if we're going to be obedient, we have to go to somebody who is obedient and follow that person. And that person was Christ. He's the only one that was obedient enough to be able to keep the law. So, uh, so Israel was not saved by, uh, uh, by the law. They were saved by God's mercy, which is more glorious than the legalistic ministry of the Judaizers. Just the fact that God's mercy is so much better. I mean, would you like his mercy or you want to have to keep his law? What do you pick? Mercy, mercy absolutely. Amen. Okay, so then he says at the second part of verse 1, he says, We faint not. So we have been given this ministry, we've received mercy, and we faint not. Now the word faint here doesn't mean that you pass out. Like, oh I can't believe in ministry, you know, and kind of pass out. That's, that's not it's not like, oh swooning, you know, faint. No, that's not it. This literally means the word to turn away. To faint is to turn away. We don't turn away. That's what Paul says. We don't faint, we don't turn away. To faint is to turn outward. To turn out to be a... Turn out... Literally to turn out to be a coward. To lose your current... Lose your courage. Uh, to be... Uh, to be faint-hearted. Uh, you know... Um, I'm sure you've... I am sure you have i know. I like to watch a lot of war movies. And you always see this guy that's a coward. And he's fainting. He's fainting. He's, he's pulling away. He's turning away. He's running away. Why? Because he's fainting. That's what it means. That's a, that, that would be the example. And how many people... Get involved in ministry and say, I can't do this. I'm, I'm going to faint, basically fade away. I'm just going to drift away and go away. And so, uh, this is another attitude, by the way, of the believer. Remember in chapter two, we looked at eight attitudes. Uh, being honest, being uh, wholesome, being uh, humble and, uh, so and, and, and so on, and forgiving as well. Well, this is another one of those those uh, attitudes that we need to pick up from Paul. Paul uh, uh, Remember, we've already okay. So we already seen, so our attitude, our appearance as a believer must be one that we do not faint. You know, the biggest discouragement of a of a young believer is to watch an old believer faint. To watch a watch some somebody who was supposed to be mature. I mean, I have seen it. Maybe you have too. Where where uh, somebody that you looked up to in the ministry turn, and I'll tell you what it's like. It's like a knife stacked stabbed right in your back. It comes out the front. I mean, it's that deep hurt sometimes. It's, it's painful to see somebody fall that you were at the feet of learning and trying to learn how to be in ministry, trying to learn what what the word of God is teaching and saying, and then you see them fall. Ah, that's just a terrible thing. So we have to have an attitude that we will not faint. And you know how you know you don't faint? Because you're involved in ministry, and that ought to strengthen you before you do anything else, you being involved in ministry you got to strengthen you why because God counts you sufficient and you're in giving you the ability to do it. If you're there because God wants you there, if you're there because God has made you able to be there, take that as, a, as, a, as an indicator that it's all good. no matter how bad it is, it's all good. So um, how to be strengthened is what comes out of this chapter all the way through chapter 10. Really that really that everything that Paul is going to talk about, starting here in verse 4, chapter four, pretty much to the end of chapter 10, um, is all about how to serve in ministry. The different places that we serve, the different things that we are involved in. So uh, not necessarily like in the ministry of children or the ministry of uh, life issues or prisoners of hope or praise. Not, I'm not, that's not the kind of ministry that he's talking about because everything is ministry and everything has the same focus and the same, same thing we're trying to get accomplished. So, both in the opening phrase, phrase, look. this is pretty cool, look at verse 1 again, at the last couple of words in verse 1, we faint not. And look at verse 16, for which cause we faint not. Though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is what? Renewed day by day. See, that renewal process, that's you being strengthened daily by the fact that you're in ministry, that God considers you worthy to be in ministry. And I know what I'm talking about here because I've endured this. I have lost ministry, I had, to relieve, move, had to leave ministry thinking that I was done. And then God said, no, you, you have messed up, it's time for you to leave. And all God is doing is like, you are still doing the same thing I told you to do years ago, now just do it someplace else. Like, oh, well, praise the Lord! So that's it. that keeps me motivated. That keeps me going because I know that God has got me where He wants me to be. So both the opening phrase in chapter chapter one and, and near concluding phrase in chapter chapter sixteen, chapter one verse sixteen, gives us strength to persevere and to keep going rather than abandoning our post, rather than fading away or fainting away from our post. We faint not, because we are continually reminded of the mercy offered to us by God. So, so why should you try to tell a lost person about the mercy of God? Because you are a classic example of the recipient, the receiving of that mercy. You don't you want everybody else to experience what you experienced? We should. That that should be the motivator right there. I look. I can't. I have to keep doing this because of what happened to me I mean I just can't it's like oh okay it happened to me great sorry for the rest of you I'm just going to relish in what I got uh, oh you want some of this well you have to go find out how to get it I mean, we don't need to do it that way we need to be constantly uh, um, ser- serving in ministry okay so verse 2 one, he gives us three things three steps in verse 2 um I like it when God gives us an outline. It makes it so much easier to write a message. God gives us an outline here. Three steps to maintain or to validate your ministry and to fight faithlessness. To fight the fading away. To contrast Paul's ministry with all the other false apostles that are out there, he gives us three steps to validate your ministry. Number one, he says to renounce the hidden things of dishonesty. Renounce the hidden things of dishonesty. To renounce... Uh, means to refuse, deny, or to declare your abandonment of things that are dishonest in ministry. Now, there's a lot of people that are involved in ministry that are also involved in dishonest things. And what Paul is saying is we need to renounce those things. Now, this is an interesting word, to renounce. It's It's the only place in the Bible that this word, or New Testament anyway, where this word appears, to renounce. Um... It's unique in that way. But dishonest things are those things, just to be clear. Dishonest things are those things that are shameful, resulting from sin. So basically, you're not just re- renouncing dishonest things. You're actually renouncing sinfulness and my involvement in it. Say, I am not going there. I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do the right thing. I'm going to renounce all of those things. So dishonest things are those things that are shameful, resulting from sin... Especially all disgraceful and underhanded dealings, anything like that, and that's what the the Judaizers were doing. They were they were um, they were dishonest, they were disgraceful, they were underhanded, and then he goes on talking about you know renouncing that. So false religion, think about all false religion. I thought about you know like detailing, but I said no, let's just put it all in one category. False religion is often made up of trickery and deception. That's why it's called false religion, by the way. It's false because it's trickery, it's deception. Whether it's healing, uh, you know, uh, speaking in tongues, or um, transubstantiation, or any of those kind of things, it doesn't matter. Uh, that's a false religion, made up of trickery and deception, on which Paul has renounced. That you know how you how you renounce. You stand in faith. That's the one thing that you need to do. So. Uh, stand in order to renounce. So I've got some verses listed there for you in your, in your handouts. I think. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13, um, Paul says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. And then he says, quit, ye like, or quit you like men, be strong. I love that phrase, quit you like men. Quit you like men means to never be a coward, never to be a quitter. He's not saying, okay, all you men need to quit. He says, Quit acting like a child and be a man. Be an adult. Be a mature believer. Don't be a coward in the face of the difficulties of ministry. Don't faint away. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, it says, Wherefore take you all a, a whole armor of God that ye may be able to what? To withstand in the evil day. And having done all, what are you supposed to do? To stand. In uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse Chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, my beloved, dearly, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Stand fast. If You you can't fade if you're standing fast. You can't faint away if you're standing fast. You know, when somebody, I know a couple of times, uh, right after I got sick, I started, you know, I fell. I, I fell over. And I mean, a couple of times, I don't like, my mind just went blank, and the next thing I know, I'm on the ground. I just so if, if I was standing, I wouldn't have fallen. That's kind of obvious, right? <laughs> if you stand, you don't fall. So stand, stand in the ministry. Uh, the last one, or two others. First Thessalonians three eight: For now we live, if we stand fast. In Second Thessalonians two fifteen: Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or by our epistle. Okay, so his first thing he says to us in order to make sure that we're in the right place is to renounce the hidden things of dishonesty. But then he also goes on, and he says, walk, uh, walking, and walk or not walking in craftiness. Not walking in craftiness. So craftiness doesn't mean that they're talented at making really cool things. I mean, it's okay that some people are talented. I know like, like uh, Carmen is just, I mean, she makes some really awesome looking things and that's awesome. That's not what this is talking about. Okay, that's not. That's good. That's that's wonderful, but that's not what Paul's talking about. Because this is an interesting word as well. Craftiness doesn't mean that they're talented, it means to be unscrupulous, cunning, using any means to an end. You know, crafty, wily coyote. Remember that? Okay, so that's the kind of thing that's the end game of craftiness. This is it. Turn over to Luke chapter twenty verse thirteen. I'm sorry, Luke twenty, verse twenty-three. The end game of craftiness is to tempt somebody into sin. End game is to try to trick people into sin. When Jesus Christ is dealing with this towards the end, in chapter twenty, verse Luke twenty, verse twenty-three. Well, let's back up to twenty-one and get the whole context. And they asked him, saying, "Master, we know that thou are." that thou sayest and teachest rightly. See, okay, that's already a a plane to his, what they thought was his weakness. Neither acceptest thou the person of any, but teachest the way of God truly. Is it lawful, therefore, for us to give tribute unto Caesar or no? And then verse 23, but he perceived their craftiness and said unto them, why tempt me? See, their craftiness was to try to, we're going to smooth this guy this this guy, we're going to get him tricked into committing a sin, so that we can get rid of him. They're trying to trick him. That's what the that's what craftiness is talking about. Trying to trick people to to do something unscrupulous. Uh, so the uh, so we we are to disown such behavior. See, we're not trying to trick others to be to get to, to become saved when they do die, that they didn't go where they thought they were going because they had been tricked into their salvation. Don't trick people into salvation. Don't do not do that. Be careful that we don't let people assume some things either. Because that if they're assuming, they don't understand the gospel, we'll get to that part here in just a minute. But we've got to be careful how we handle those kind of things. Crashtiness, I would say, um, is the same as the word subtlety. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, just look at that real quick, because we're in 2 Corinthians. Go to 11... Um, 3, 2 Corinthians 11 3 Paul says but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his craftiness that's the same word subtlety through his subtlety so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ so uh The devil is a crafty guy, and he will he will he will mess with you, and he will trick you. That's what he did with Eve. He's a, he's like play on words. I mean, he basically just twisted the word, which is the next thing we'll talk about. He just twisted the word. He, yea, hath God said? Well, did God really say it or not? He you know he's challenging her um, immaturity to remember everything she supposedly had learned, and the devil is a crafty guy. Um. So your walk is to be guided. As to see, your walk is to be guided by the Spirit, not the flesh. According to Galatians five sixteen, he says. Then I actually I think I skipped. Yeah. No, we're still walking in craftiness. Okay, let me finish this up. So your walk shouldn't be in craftiness. Your walk should be guided by the Spirit, not the flesh. Galatians five sixteen. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfil the lust of the flesh. So. You, your flesh wants to be crafty all the time, even if even is if, if you're saved. But sometimes we just want to, we just got to get that last person saved. We got to get you know, we got to we got to lead lead this person to the Lord before something happens. Um, but he goes on the third thing. Let me get back to my chapter here. The third thing that Paul says. So we are renounce the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking craftiness. Then he says nor handling the word of god deceitfully so we we got to be careful that we manifest the truth not deceitful not did not deceive we must not tamper with the word remember that warning back in revelation chapter uh, 22 verse 18 it says neither to add to or take away from the word don't don't twist the word it's better to say let me show you what the bible says i'm not very good at memory memorizing verses i know everybody has that that's probably that same issue, but but uh, I mean, the verse is coming to my mind, but I don't want to try to quote them, especially if I'm in the middle of trying to witness somebody, because unless I'm rock solid on that verse, I'm probably going to misquote it. And that's not a problem because, I mean, it is kind of a problem if I leave it there, especially if I quote it wrong. I'd rather open up the Bible yeah. say, let me show you what the Word of God says. Let me show you what the Bible says, and that way I'm not, I'm not tempted or by my by my weakness i'm not subject to m- not handling the word of god properly so we, we don't need to tamper with it you know the judaizers that's exactly what they did they messed with the word let me just give you a quick list you don't have to write it all down they misapply the word they fail to divide it properly we're supposed to divide the word right uh, uh they they don't they don't they do not interpret scripture correctly as instructed in second timothy chapter two they take things out of context. They impose their own interpretation of the scriptures. Peter described all of this wrestling and twisting and distorting of the word of God. He says, and not the whole verse, but Second Peter 3, 16, He says, which they, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. that resting is the twisting, uh, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. So we have to be careful how we handle the Word of God. Paul says, okay, we're going to renounce the hidden things of dishonesty. We're going to, we're going to um, walk in the Spirit, and we're going to handle the Word properly. If we would do those three things, uh, that would strengthen us, by the way. That's what I actually what the point was that it started out. We need to be strengthened by that so that we can encourage others as well. So Paul's ministry kind of was like a contrast to the false teachers. His ministry was clearly a picture of um, of what to do and their picture was clearly their, their behavior was a picture of what not to do so what Paul is showing the church is how to be transparent in ministry again that's why we call this study to be transparent he only employed tr- uh, truth in communicating the gospel that was what he cared about He that's all he wanted to do was communicate the gospel in, tr- in truth because truth has a self-evidencing power you ever notice that truth is self, you kind of already know, well that ain't true you just kind of know right, because truth is self evidencing and so is lies actually Um, Paul never embellished the truth, he never wrapped deceit with truth, some people like to do that, they like to take the word of God and conform it to what their intentions are that's wrapping the truth around a deceit, so that you the lost are kind of confused Paul relied on the plainness. Remember, we talked about that word back in chapter 3, the word plainness. The plainness of speech. Paul didn't he didn't uh, kind of create some sort of Im- Im- image you know, with fancy words. He just spoke the truth. If you speak the truth, you speak the word of God, then you can't go wrong. Because then it's not your words, they're just God's words. Okay, verses three to seven, and we're gonna we're getting close to the end of this here. Verses three to seven, let's read that real fast. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, which is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and Christ your servants for... I'm sorry, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness... Um, hath shined in our heart to give, uh, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So I think that's about as far as we're going to go. I have seven here, but we're only going to make it to six. So starting, just as a reminder, starting back in chapter 3 in verse 6 all the way down to verse 16, Paul was focusing actually on the Word of God. He was focusing on the Word. And, 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 and then in chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, he was focused on the Lord. So on the Word and then the Lord. But now He's actually starting in verse 3 here. He's focused on the lost. Paul is focused on the lost. And so in verses 3 and 4, the giving of the gospel to the lost, that was a critical concern that Paul had. To give the gospel to the lost was a critical concern. He never wanted the gospel to be hidden. You know, I remember we talked about how Moses, when Moses was wearing the veil, uh, Israel couldn't see past the veil on his face to see what was actually behind that, which was God and his mercy and his grace. They were so fixated on the fact that his face shone so brightly that it scared them. They didn't want to go any past that. And so uh, Paul didn't want the gospel to be hidden as it was with Moses. Um, He said said the same thing in in chapter 3 that we were looking at last week. Speaking of Israel not being able to see the truth beyond the veil... So the same is true today, unfortunately, for those who cannot see past the veil of Christ's sacrifice. Remember, Christ's his sacrifice was the same. Same, I made the made the parallel between his sacrifice of his flesh and the uh, the the veil and the temple being rent in two. The only time that people could really see the truth was when the veil was rent, when Christ sacrificed, and then uh, then 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 it's like all oh, the lights started clicking on people's hearts and started understanding. So. The meaning in this these in this verse verse three especially is that if the gospel which we preach is not understood if the meaning is obscure to the to the loss if the glory is not seen after we got done preaching the, or sharing the gospel it's not the message it's not the fault of the message if if they're not getting it it's not the fault of the message see um The messenger can mess up the message, of course, inadvertently. They're trying to quote a verse and you mess up. That's one thing. Um, So the messenger can mess up the message, but it's not the fault of the message. The, The message is the same no matter who speaks it, no matter when they speak it, no matter where they speak it. It's always the same, right? Christ and Him crucified. He is our Savior. He died on the cross for our sins. That's the message. That's a snapshot of it anyway. So Paul always intended to proclaim the gospel with plainness of speech and with comp- complete clarity so that he never had to put a veil over his words to the lost. So I've told you this before. I've said it before. You've probably heard it other people say it as well. And we don't want to be a reason why people don't see the gospel and don't see the truth. That's what Paul's talking about. We don't want to be the reason that they don't get saved. The message is there but if if we warp the message by our behavior by uh not renouncing sin by not walking in the spirit by not by not handling the word properly we don't if we if we don't do those things then people will they'll turn away we don't want to be the people that cause somebody to turn away from the gospel paul was certain that our duty to declare accurately the gospel every time he was clear that's what we're supposed to do so that we would not be the one with the veil. So if we're going to be a part of any ministry, whether whatever you're called, to proclaim the ministration of righteousness, it is up to us. Here's the this is it gets on to you and all of us. It's up to us. I lost my place. Yeah, if we're going to be a part of it, then it's up to us to proclaim the ministration of righteousness. It's up to us to know the message well enough that we don't encumber the lost. We need to, every one of us need to be able to clearly enunciate the gospel. That's what, that's that's where Paul is taking this. He's like, okay, so I've given you the message, you should be able to give the message. But you know what that means. So in talking to the church at Corinth, he's saying, so if, you, if I've given you the message, and if you know the message, then when they give a message, and you know that this message is not the same message that you have, you know that they're false teachers. That's that's how, that's how we protect ourselves right? we, we have to know the truth so when we hear something that claims to be the truth we're like no that's not the truth no that's not what the Bible says no no you can't get saved by baptism let me show you where in the Bible it says you can't this is how you get saved so so you know the truth and you can reject false trying to come in we talked about that in, the, uh, in when we were, did our study on, on Peter we gotta make sure the people who come into our church and they want to bring in some teaching of their own from some other church that they used to go to, fine, until we find out that what they're teaching is false. That's why you probably already know this. That's why we don't just let anybody disciple that's come from a church that says, oh yeah, we have discipleship. Uh, I don't know about your discipleship. It might not be the same as ours, so at least it ought to be equal. Right? So we make sure that kind of stuff. Okay, so anyway, um, the God of this world you know who he is, right? The God of this world he works hard to blind the minds of every lost person to hide the gospel. Let's, uh, so let's not help him. Let's not help him by shielding the lost from the truth. Now, you know who the God of this world is? That's Satan. And I'm going to take the time to go through all these verses. But he notice he uses a small g. called the God of this world. I think that's one of the few places that, the, that phrase God of this world is in the, in the Bible. But he's called the prince of the power of the air called a prince of this world, and so on. But you know why it's called a God, little g, is because some people actually do worship him. And that is what he wanted. He wanted to be God. So, so Paul is acknowledging that, but that's a problem as well, he says. So Paul accuses, Paul's accusers, the ones that have come in after him, they claim that his message was confusing and unclear. The fact is, the gospel is clear enough to anyone who has given truth. The gospel should be clear enough. So then, that you know, they may not accept it, um, but you know what, they ought to know what they're rejecting. That's on us as well to make sure they know what they're rejecting. The problem with not the, it was not the message. It's it's either the messenger or the recipient, where that where that's not making it uh, and, and ends meet. That means that we must never allow the gospel to be misstated or incorrectly or based on untrue use of Scripture. And then he's in verse 5, he gives us the intent of ministry. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants, for Jesus' sake. The problem with false teachers was their message was not the gospel. Their message wasn't the gospel. Instead, it was to return to the law to put people under bondage. And these false teachers tried to steer the church to go back to the law go back to the rituals, that they would be accepted as being right. Paul says no to that. It was a big fat no. No, that is not correct. No, that's wrong. We don't preach ourselves. Rather, we preach Christ Jesus our Lord. And I think that that's interesting. He says in First Thessalonians 2, 5 and 6, For neither at any time use we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness, nor of men sought we me glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, whom or when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. That word "cloak" that reveals the true intent of the one who preaches them for themselves. It means to make a pretense. It means to put forth a cover of real intent to cloak. You know, um, in fact, that is an old, an older English word. I don't know if it's English now, but it's an old word for a covering, like a coat, to cover up, to close, to 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 cover it. In fact, I think the New King James Bible uses. Um, in uh, um, Adam and Eve, when they covered themselves with fig leaves, they, they, they made a cloak of covering. That's the wrong word, anyway. Uh, okay, so the subject of our message is Christ. It ought to be, the, it ought to be Christ all the time. It's not us. Uh, even while we use Paul's words, we do not preach Paul either. We're not preaching Paul, we're preaching Christ. We're just using Paul's example. There's only one name that we preach. And that name, he says in verse 5, is that we preach Christ Jesus the Lord. That's all one name. Christ Jesus, those three, three parts, but one name. This full name rings out of his role. It talks about who he is. The first word, Savior, or Christ... Christ is his name. That, 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 that presents him as our Savior. Christ is our Savior. You know, we say Jesus is our Savior, but actually Christ is our Savior. Jesus, Jesus reflects his humanity. And the word Lord reflects his deity. So Christ is the Savior. Jesus is a human. Humanity, he, 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 he's been touched with the infirmities uh, feelings of our infirmities. Uh, and then The Lord, he is our, he is, uh, reflects his deity. He is is God. And then we'll finish up with verse 6. Satan blinds what God restores. Satan blinds while God restores sight. So while the devil blinds with deceit and trickery and lies and doubt and confusion and all of that, Paul illustrates the light of God by reminding us what God did back in Genesis chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. You remember it was dark, right? With darkness upon the face of the deep. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And so when there was a darkness on the universe, when there's a darkness in a person's heart, what God does is he brings the light, and that light is the gospel. So God addresses that same light that we talked about last week, the Shekinah glory, the Shekinah light. He brings that same light to shine in our hearts to give us the knowledge of the glory of God. So that glory was we examined last week. Uh, so it's interesting that Paul speaks of Satan attacking, going after our mind. Satan goes after the mind in verse 4. God goes after the heart in verse 5. That's pretty interesting difference. God's going after the mind. or Satan's going after the mind. God's going after the heart. And that's actually verse 6. I said verse 5. But God goes after the heart in verse 6. So Satan blinds the minds of men with his tricky trickery while God has a better way, which is the light of Christ. So we'll end right there. We'll probably go back into those verses to start off next, well, not next week, but in a couple of weeks from now. Um, so next week, 5th Sunday, so we won't have class. The following, fifth, the following Sunday is Labor Day weekend. So if you're not here, I hope you have, a, wherever you go for Labor Day, I hope you have a good time. Um, you know, we'll still record it on, on Facebook, and I finally figured out how to download the Facebook and upload it to YouTube. So, if you can't get it on Facebook, let me know and I'll get you the link to, to YouTube. So, I think everybody can get to YouTube. Yeah, I you think.
1: Don't you
0: don't have to log in anything. You just If I'll send you the link, you should be able to click on it. It should work. There's no guarantees <laughs> that it will work, but it should. All right. Well, let's pray, and then we'll be out of here. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for your Son Jesus Christ. Thank you for this message, Lord, and, the, and just the, the encouragement, Lord, about how we should minister and how we have the ability because you made you you consider us sufficient. But at the same time, Lord, we have a pattern. Uh, we, don't wanna, we don't want to we don't want to be involved in in uh, sinful behaviors. We want, to, we want to resist all of that. We want to walk in the Spirit. We want to uh, not, not twist the Word. We want to be able to, to share the Word properly. We ask for your blessings on the, on the message from Pastor Brian this morning. We do pray for all of those names that we mentioned again. Lord, we just lift them up to you one more time before we end. We praise you for your love for us, and thank you for salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, that okay. was one. When yeah. I had the, when I brought the box. That's what, I mean, that's not bad. <sighs> one box. Yeah. No. I don't ten boxes. They... Well, I only brought you one box. Mm-hmm. Was I supposed to pick up ten? that's <laughs> You want to pick Okay. This, this, this is lying, is not it? What do they mean by lying? You know, because I've, I've got to look at this because it says $54 per thousand. It should only have been $54. I, mean, I only had one box for me. You need to call them.